Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Going on, hockey fans, welcome to Casing the League with me, your host, Casey Hudson, bringing you top NHL headlines, hot topics, and most importantly, Stanley Cup playoff best bets as we start gearing towards the Stanley Cup finals, which are oh so close. So let's just dive in on this beautiful Wednesday or rainy if you are in the state of Florida and get to casing. Now, we don't have many dramatic headlines today. Not too much going on. Everything in the worth talking about column revolves around the Dallas Stars and their tragic game three performance last night. Now, if you didn't catch last night's game, Dallas Stars fell to the Vegas Golden Knights 4-0. Yeah, Hill came up with a shutout. And that's not even the most important part of this Game 3 conversation. It's the fact that a lot of this was a self-inflicted wound by the Dallas Stars. It was like there was a small crack in a rock, and the hammer just finally found the breaking point for the shatters to accumulate and for this to turn into a pile of ash. Was that kind of dramatic? Sure. But... Is it probably a fair description of what went down last night? Absolutely, because Vegas Golden Knights got on the board early thanks to Jonathan Marcheseau, which, by the way, this guy's kind of stressing me out because every time I have him for an anytime goal are the nights that he does not collect, although I did get lucky when he picked up that Hattie last series. So, Marcheseau, let's get on the same page here. Come on, I'm just slightly begging. Other than that, I was like a minute and 12 seconds into the first period, and you saw the energy just shift in the building for the Dallas Stars, for the fan base. You saw worry, you saw concern, you saw lack of confidence happen so quickly. And when you're talking about playoff hockey, your emotions cannot tilt that quickly. So I think that was the first strike against the Dallas Stars in this tough, tough game three that they had to swallow. Now, furthermore, slightly after Marcheseau gets that goal, after you see the emotions sway in the building, you see the emotions rise up on the Dallas Stars bench. You see a lot of undisciplined, emotional hockey start coming into play. And that starts with Captain Jamie Benn. Now, let me put this down as a disclaimer and make sure everybody hears me clearly because I'm never going to sit here and trash an athlete for certain things because I will always stand by the fact that at the end of the day, these guys are human and I will remember that. I will also stand here and say that Jamie Benn is not the ultimate villain. He's the ultimate strong and silent type. If you look at anything he's done in the community for Dallas, Texas, as well as back from where he's from, he's a community guy. He's a charitable guy. He gives a crap, but he's just not the show pony in front of the cameras kind of person that you, that a lot of athletes have to start, you know, a a grooming into to say the least. So Jamie Benn's not your typical guy, but he's not the ultimate bad guy. And I say all that to say that last night, Jamie Benn did a very stupid thing, but that doesn't mean he's a stupid or terrible guy. Some people just like to go over the top on Twitter, and I just had to kind of nullify that a little bit. Uh, Jamie Benn's a guy who plays great hockey, played a very emotional state of hockey, and made a very stupid, idiotic, not captain-like decision last night when he... Well, it was a pretty disgraceful check against Mark, Mark, (laughs) against Stone for the Vegas Golden Knights and in such a vulnerable position, too. I mean, Stone's already lying on the ice, kind of gliding slash lying on the ice while Jamie Benn kind of checked him in the face there. And I'll say this. 
it's one thing to have no comment after a game. It's another thing to have to come out with an apology. And let's be honest, at this point, we know that majority of the time that apologies come out, it's because it's a publicist base, like have to, must do kind of situation. And obviously with Jamie Ben having a hearing today, because this cross check that happened early in the first period got him ejected from the game. Of course, he picked up a major for it because it looked horrible and it was idiotic. So when Ben goes to apologize today, well, I'll just throw it up here. He mentions the fact that hockey is a fast paced emotional game. The game happens fast, emotions are high, opening statement. Obviously, I would have liked to not fall on him and use my stick as a landing point. Well, Jamie, you didn't fall. You weren't falling. You were not in the process of a falling motion. You clearly looked outraged, annoyed, irritated, emotional, and you checked a dude in the face. Like, there was no falling and landing on a stick. It's not like you saw him land on his stick as the stick landed on Stone's face. And then he even kind of, as he was getting up from the motion, looked like he was anticipating Stone to potentially come back at him. And he still had his stick out ready for the next shove or the next check. Like, this is not falling. It's insulting to be like, I'm sorry I fell on my stick on his face. And the only reason I point this out is because it's not even worth an apology at this point. Like, this was kind of a BS apology. If you're going to deliver this as a captain of a team, I'd rather you stick with no comment or I'd rather you stick with the opening statement. The game happens fast, emotions are high, my bad. Or the game happens fast, emotions are high, moving on. But to say that you obviously, like, everybody just missed you falling on your stick on somebody's face, like, we're the idiots here, is just it's insulting. It's annoying. And it wasn't even worth an apology. No offense, Jamie Ben, do better. Now, he wasn't the only person who had to dish up some apologies today, because as I mentioned, the game opened up, March so gets on the board, Jamie Ben gets emotional, makes a stupid decision as a captain, and a very undisciplined situation for a desperate game three in order to put them in any conversation of potentially still winning this series, not happening. All this to say that as you swing into the second period, you still start to see emotional, undisciplined play from the Dallas Stars. You start to see them in the box more than the Vegas Golden Knights. And it putting them, pulling themselves out of any chance to recommand this game or get back in the game. Now, when you start getting behind 3-0, it's tough to see your way, but it happens. And in playoff hockey, it can definitely happen. Now, I did tweet out yesterday, once the Dallas Stars got down two goals, that this is not a team that does well with comebacks. They're 0 for 4 when trailing or tied after the first period. So even once the scoreboard is leveled, they're not really the biggest swinging comeback team. So that was a first period. They needed to be composed. They needed to remain confident. They needed to keep their head in the game. And they just, they did not do that. The only glimmers of hope we saw out of this team were during their power play. And even on the penalty kill, I think they had two shorthanded opportunities. They had some good flow and pieced together some quality passing sequences on the power play. We know how lethal that could be. I was kind of counting on the power play to come through for this team last night because I had Sagan down to pick up a power play point. I had Robertson down to get over one and a half points. And I thought a lot of that was going to happen on their 32% efficient power play. Did not happen. 
Were there some nice passes between Robertson to Sagan? Yeah. Were there a lot of scoring chances for Sagan? Yeah. Just nothing went in their favor. And then it just started to be the air releasing out of their tires as the game continued on. Of course, there was a scoreless third period. Uh, you kind of saw a little tire out of the Vegas Golden Knights. You saw a little bit more effort out of the Dallas Stars, but it just was an emotional wreck of the game. Dallas Stars couldn't piece anything together. And they ended up playing down three forwards as well. So just not a great game for the Dallas Stars and not the kind of performance I would have expected out of them for a team that beat a really good Seattle Kraken team. And a lot of it did also start with Oninger just being awful between the pipes. That was a bit unexpected. We talked on the last episode of Casing the League and how there were more inconsistent performances out of Oninger than people have really noted. And that's what we saw last night. We saw the opposite of his top performances in between the pipes. He got pulled, obviously, and then Wedgwood went in. But it was just everything that could have possibly gone wrong for the Dallas Stars just about went wrong. Being down forwards, being without your captain, ending up in the penalty box, um, bounces not going your way, your goaltender, your top goaltender not really showing up. And this leads us to figure out whether or not Wedgwood's going to be starting this next coming game. So as the Dallas Stars try to figure out how to keep themselves cool, calm, collected, and hit that reset button hard, comes the apologies from the president of the Dallas Stars organization because the frustrations did not remain on the bench of the Dallas Stars. It spewed over into the audience and the fan base and by this statement, a few of their spectators, which the only reason I'm going to go against that is because, well, it's not a handful of spectators that throw pretzels and drinks and all kinds of crap on the ice to where you have to stop a game with 21 seconds left in the second period. Um, I can say as long as I've watched hockey, I haven't seen that. Uh, I could also say that everyone took to Twitter to say how much of a rarity that is. And so when you have to stop a game on your home ice because of your fans throwing crap on the ice, I'm going to say that that's a little bit more than a few of your spectators. Now, where the few comes in is probably the idiots that thought it was a good idea to throw popcorn at Aiden Hill as he got back on the ice coming out of the tunnel for the third period. Of course, he made light of it in such an iconic manner saying, you know, clearly there's other things that they want to throw out his body, but he has no problem stopping pucks. He had no problem with popcorn being tossed on him as well. Um, And then he caught a light snack as he got back on the ice to continue to shut down the Dallas Stars and then coming up with a nice shutout uh, to help his team take that 3-0 series lead. So Dallas Stars president says on behalf of the Dallas Stars organization, I would like to apologize to the Vegas Golden Knights and the National Hockey League for the actions of a few of our spectators at last night's game. Their actions were unacceptable and put the safety of the players and fans at risk. We take pride in providing the best experience for everyone who enters our arena. The actions of these individuals certainly do not reflect our great city, organization, and loyal fan base. Brad Alberts, Dallas Stars president and CEO. Thank you so much for your statement, Brad. So yeah, a lot of drama going down in Dallas. Let's see if the Stars can figure it out. Now, I had the opportunity of chatting with Cam Rogers from Believe Network earlier today. And on his show, he threw me for a historic question regarding the NHL and team's ability to come back from that 0-3 deficiency. I got a couple of the team. Well, I got most of the teams wrong. I was kind of taking a guess here, but here's an account- accountability moment for me. Casey Hudson, the sports case. Um, I did say a Canadian team, but to clarify, there have been four teams to bounce back from these zero to three deficiencies in a series. And it was the Maple Leafs, the Flyers, 
the Kings and the Islanders. So just to kind of clarify, have an accountability moment. Four teams made that comeback. Um, I will say, depending on, we're talking about series, but I cover the Tampa Bay Lightning on a more consistent basis. And they had a zero to three series efficiency comeback versus the Pittsburgh Penguins in 2011. So that's also why I kind of got thrown on the historic question because I've known of other teams being able to do so, especially my team. Um, but I'm not sure if that was just specific to conference finals or if that was playoffs as a whole. If it was playoffs as a whole, then those are not the only four teams. Um, I could be wrong, though. I'm not going to be definitive about any of that. <laughs> so moving back to Jamie Ben for just 2.5 seconds and that awful apology. All that to say that Ben has now been hit with a two-game suspension. Whether or not the Dallas Stars even have two games left in them, we shall see. Obviously, once they regroup for a big game for tomorrow night, Vegas Golden Knights looking to make the sweep, just as the Florida Panthers are today. So let me know you guys' thoughts over on Twitter, at the Sports Case, K-A-S-E. Did Jamie Ben's apology suffice? Whether it did or it did not, if you know Jamie Ben, if you've seen him play, if you've seen him on any of the shows and interviews that he's been on, um, Again, he's not a villain. He's not a classified bad guy. He's just somebody who's a very emotional, aggressive player. I mean, he's the embodiment of an enforcer from way back, except, yeah, he can score. He's not just out there to be a muscle, and his team really could have used him last night because seeing the OT, Vic, the OT moments that he has caused for his team, pushing the last game into overtime with just seconds left or minutes left on the clock – they needed that kind of energizer. They needed that kind of motor and they needed it from their captain. So that's probably the biggest reason that Jamie is going to catch a lot of heat because in big moments, you need your leadership. And he just was not there. Um, Sagan, obviously Robertson and a lot of those other guys did step up. Uh, Wyatt was pretty silenced in a lot of the movement in last night's game. But again, it's just Stalisars couldn't string anything together. And it started from the minute that March so opened the scoring and it was just a snowball effect from there on out. So on a more positive note or drama in a different manner, we've got the Hurricanes taking on the Panthers down in South Florida today for a big game four. Will the Florida Panthers sweep? And I have a feeling that they will for a number of reasons. On camp show, he asked about my, uh, prediction on the sweep here and the money line was sitting at about a 107 I believe minus 107 I like the money line I like the pick I like the idea of the Florida Panther sweeping and here are my number of reasons starting with the fact that this is a team that's led by Paul Maurice and Paul Maurice is a very intelligent coach he also has the ability to level and talk with his players on a very composed and chill note to where it's very receptive and I think it motivates them even more because you're seeing a team actually having fun playing hockey. You're seeing fun. Um, now, is it fun that's going to make the sweep happen? No. It's going to be the intellect from their coach, the composure from the team, the hunger from the team, and them drawing off of the experience of game four versus the Maple Leafs in round two, where they were also in position to complete a sweep. Now, that game, they fell short only two to one, scoreless first period. Toronto gets on the board in the second. They match. Toronto gets on the board in the third and holds them off, forcing a game five where obviously the Panthers knocked them out at that point. Now, drawing from experience, you had guys like Barkov who had six shots on goal. You had 
the Florida Panthers containing Austin Matthews to four shots on goal, zero assists, zero points, zero goals. Uh, Tavares, five shots on goal, zero points, zero goals. Now, seeing their ability to contain two of their top players, yes, Marner got on, yes, Nylander got on, um, but a lot of those were just kind of like bounce moments. And I think one of those, if I'm not mistaken, was a turnover in the D zone. If they can draw off the experience and if they can tie off, draw off the tight contest that was game four, two, one loss to the Maple Leafs, I think they're in a prime position to make less mistakes. I think they're in prime position to put 60 minutes of their best hockey on the table tonight and close the door on the Carolina Hurricanes. Not saying the Carolina Hurricanes are not going to come out swinging. Obviously they will, but what the Panthers have done in this series is contain their top players throughout the entire series. The Hurricanes have only posted three goals on the Florida Panthers through three games. Two in the first game, one in the second game, zero last game. And that is with Sebastian Ajo completely jamming up the net, trying to create chances and posting six shots on goal. Those top six guys have completely been silenced by the Florida Panthers, but more importantly, Sergei Robowski, who's sitting at like a 9.35 save percentage. We've seen the numbers that, he put, that he's put up. We know that his monster saves have obviously been the key contributor to keeping the Panthers in this game, in these series. Um, but even aside from that, they're not creating much spark on their end. And I will say from my own coverage experience, following a team such as the Tampa Bay Lightning and head coach John Cooper, Coop will throw the lines in the blender at any moment in time just to try to generate a spark. The only other coach that comes close to that is like no other team at the moment that I can think of. Now, when you start comparing these two teams and the team needing to find a spark to get past a tough goaltending on both ends, because Anderson's sitting at like a 937 save percentage, um, you've got to switch things up. You've got to try to create different looks. You've got to find ways to get a spark going and get pucks past this tough defending and these tough goaltending. And the one coach in between these two teams that'll actually do that is head coach Paul Maurice. We've seen some decent line changes and shuffling at last minute to try to generate those sparks. We have not seen much of that from the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, a lion toss up that we could see that could help the Florida Panthers would be having Verhage on the same line as um, Sam Bennett. And we saw that translate out to two goals, I want to say, versus the Toronto Maple Leafs. So kind of having that switch up, being flexible, being agile when the when the game is this tight and when the goaltending is this tough is something that's going to give a team the upper hand. Also, the ability to stay even keeled. Now, the Hurricanes aren't exactly playing undisciplined hockey, but they are getting forced out of their structure a bit easier than the Florida Panthers are. The Panthers are staying very even keeled throughout the entire 60 minutes of hockey. Another thing to add to how well the Panthers are managing not only their emotions, but staying focused in their structure and trying to remain as disciplined as possible is that heading into this series, they were sitting at about 226 penalty minutes. They brought that time down to 193 penalty minutes. And the Canes are starting to make a couple more mistakes, sending them to the box and putting them on the penalty kill. And of course, they have a top penalty kill, but you don't want to be in special team situations all the time. And you would almost think that they would want that because of how poorly their five on five has been. But they've got to find a way to get better with their five on five 
period, point blank. Now, the other thing that's working against them is that even if they do start getting any movement, passing sequences paired together nicely, Sergey Bobrowski is sitting at like 94% plus when it comes to all save percentage and angles. More importantly, his save percentage on even strength is at 99.1%. So Carolina's already struggling to get things going on even strength. And then you've got a goaltender who's letting nothing slide by. 99.1% shutting down someone's five-on-five -five game is just insane to even process. So we're I would think from a coaching perspective, they're going to have to change up some things with their line tonight. Their best produ producing line is Martinook, Kotkaniemi, and Foss. And I had Foss for an anytime goal because he was one of the leading guys in playoffs as a whole, first and second round, to pick up points and get pucks on net. And he's just been completely silenced. Uh, Aho, we've already talked about Martinook. I mean, the point strengths that he was picking up versus the Devils and another guy who's just kind of been completely out of it. Um, or silence. I don't want to say out of it because you're seeing these guys work so hard, but they're just not finding a way to get the points and get the pucks on net that they need. So just to kind of put it in perspective, Martin Okakeniemi and Foss, they averaged about 54 shots throughout this playoff series, 58.3% goals and 4.84 goals for average. Yeah. And that's a line that's been together for eight games. Coming up right next to the Javis, Aho and Nason line. Nason was another guy that was on a couple of different point streaks, but again, all those streaks came to a halt when this team was not able to pick up any points or goals in game three. So these line comparisons lead me to my best bets. Now, for the lines that are making the most magic over on the Florida Panthers bench, it's going to be Kachuk, Bennett, and Cousins. They've been together for 11 games. They are posting 70 shots for at a 55.5%, uh, collecting about 80% team goals, averaging 4.57 goals for, and 35 high danger shots. All of this to say that my first go-to is going to be, let me flip this around, Sam Bennett, anytime goal at a plus 205. Now, looking at the numbers across DraftKings and FanDuel and BetOnline and everywhere else, a lot of numbers in, from Vegas are in favor of Sam Bennett picking up an anytime goal tonight. Um, he's got four goals, seven assists, 11 points throughout this series, and he's been a key guy in getting momentum swings going. Obviously, with a guy like Matthew Kachuk to your left, that kind of stuff is possible. As much as I wanted to take Kachuk for the over one and a half points for this matchup, it's just been such a low-scoring game, game by game. I don't expect this game to get any higher, and it's really tough to see one person picking up close to two points when – it could just be a one goal or two goal game. So Sam Bennett for an anytime goal tonight. As for the point God, Alexander Barkov has been cleared by Paul Maurice to be a part of game four after we saw him exit in the first period of game three and not return. Seems like he's good to go and healthy. Again, this guy had six shots on goal versus the Maple Leafs in game four. And I feel like as a captain and as someone that this team does rely on to come through in big moments, this is the moment where Barkov has to land one of those six shots on goal. And he's going to want to make up for lost time coming out of game three. So over half a point at a minus 175 for Alexander Barkov. Will you cash it? Will you case it? Or will you cut it? Then heading over to Carolina. We talked about this line, Jarvis, Ajo, and Nason. Um, Jarvis taken for over half a point at a minus 120. Of course, 
the big thing about playoff hockey is your top players have to show up. This has been an injury prone roster and these guys have to make up for it. So we saw the excitement when Ajo had that pass Jarvis on the power play in game one. We need to see that kind of magic click together again, just to at least have some sort of game. But again, you don't know what the Bobcat's going to do between the pipes. Take Jarvis, cash it, case it, cut it, let me know, which clearly should lead to Ajo anytime goal plus 155. Now, Jamming up the net last time was trying so hard to create chances. And I mean, monster saves coming out from Bobrovsky. So you can't do anything about that besides try to create a lucky bounce, deflections, tip-ins, whatever you can do. And of course, Ajo is going to be that much more relentless tonight so that they have a fighting chance not to get swept. I just, after three games of no luck and just picking up an assist or two, I think Ajo is due. And then that leads me to my last bet of the night. Florida Panthers under five and a half goals at a plus 220. As I mentioned, that money line earlier at a minus 107 is just for the Florida Panthers to complete the sweep. This is for it to happen for the under five and a half goals. Hurricanes have only posted three goals throughout three games. Uh, the Florida Panthers, I think, are at four goals, five goals. They had two in the first two, two, and one. So yeah, five goals. We don't see anything going above five and a half goals between these two goaltenders tonight. And um, hopefully no crazy overtime situations either. If it comes down to it, then of course I'll kick myself for not picking Matthew Kachuk for a potential overtime goal. So let us know your thoughts over at the sports case and casing the league. Will the Panthers complete the sweep and move on to wait and figure out who they'll host in the finals? And I think it's very obvious that we're probably looking at a Panthers-Vegas showdown for the Stanley Cup finals. And I'm actually very excited about it. Vegas is a lot younger than people realize. And then you've got the Golden Knights who have made multiple postseason runs, and they might be due. And then you've got the Panthers who haven't made magic since 1996 and a big fan base rallying behind them. So we'll see what goes down as puck drop goes off at 8 p.m. tonight. Will the Florida sweep? Will the Hurricanes stay alive? Will Ajo finally collect on a goal? Will Jarvis? Will Foss show up? Not that I have any bets for Foss anymore because I've tried that. Kotkaniemi, I've had so much hope in him, and he showed a lot of emotion breaking his stick after the last game. But still, he's been huge in the assist column and helping pick up points. It's just it's hard to go against good goaltending. And before I close this out, while we talk so much about Sergei Brabowski and just the elite performance that he's had, let's not forget that the Florida Panthers defense needs some credit too. Uh, they've stepped up and minimized a lot of their opponents, let's say edges. And starting with odd man rushes, the Maple Leafs were one of the top teams for producing off the odd man rush. Heading into this series or now getting through this series, they've minimized odd man rushes to 3.21. The Maple Leafs were averaging about like five, over five odd man rushes per game. So that also speaks to the strength of the Florida Panthers defense and how well they're starting to come up. They've also weathered through 69.25 shot attempts and 13.53 scoring chances. Now, the other thing too is shots off the rush went down from 16 to 12.14. Give the guys some credit. Top to bottom, the Florida Panthers are just pulling through. They're having fun while they're doing it. They're staying even keeled. And that's probably why we're going to see this team in the Stanley Cup final. And 
taking on the Vegas Golden Knights. Let's just call it what it is. So let me know your thoughts on these five best bets. What will you cash? What will you case? What will you cut? If you're joining me or new to casing the league, cashing it means you like the bet just as much as I do. Casing it means you need some more time to look into it. And cutting it means you're not vibing with it. Let's see what you got for us next time, Case. And I'm totally cool with that. But until next time, I am your host, Casey Hudson, here on Casing the League, Apple League Network. Follow me over on the sports case that's k-a-s-e also casing the league and then of course at believe network with all of the other amazing shows and topics that you guys can catch and until next time on casing the league